Welcome to the weekly podcast all about turning the great American RV adventure into stress-less camping. Each week, we explore tips, tricks, ideas, and destinations, and talk to the happiest campers in the RV world. Pull up a seat at the campfire as we enjoy some stress-less camping. Add some more wood to the fire. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, well, for Northern California, it's It's cold. It's getting chilly. Yeah, absolutely. I'm Peggy. I'm Tony, and we're two RV industry veterans who travel part-time. In a small trailer. Looking at, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Looking to share big adventures and help you with great tips. Like read the script? Like read the script. <laughs> Tricks and discount. And discount. Yeah. <laughs> it's only, we've only done this, what, 129 times. Yeah. You'd think we'd remember how by now. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> well, we try to change it up. We don't want you to get bored or us. We do. And we don't really talk about it ahead of time. We just wing it. So I saw some questions this week on Facebook. Uh-oh. About driving with your hitch on if you're not actually actively towing at the moment. And a lot of people said, you can't do that. It's illegal. What? Well, I looked all over the internet and I cannot find any indication that it's actually illegal. That would seem like bull feathers because... What if you're on your way to pick up your trailer? Right. <laughs> what are you going to get like pulled over? Hey, uh, your hitch is sewing. Yeah. I did see some things about the length of the, you know, like how far the hitch extends out from the back of your truck. And I think that's kind of a visual, like, you know, if you have a, a two by four sticking out of the back of your truck, a certain length, you have to tie a red flag on it. Yeah. And that makes sense because people might not notice that something sticks out way farther than the whole giant back of the truck. No, I know my shins are not going to see that dead gum hitch. Oh, yeah. And that red ribbon doesn't even help. No, it doesn't. It just, (laughs) it's just another thing to see in the video when you're dancing around like Yosemite (laughs) Sam saying all the words that nobody can understand. So it's okay to drive around. Don't stay parked with your hitch stuck on the back of the truck. Yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you think it's illegal, I, you know, show me because I can't find anywhere and that's fine. We don't usually take ours off because we never know when we're going to want to hook up and go. Right. And we're also lazy. Well, yeah. <laughs> and that thing is heavy. Yeah. You never know when you might have to haul a trailer. <laughs> but of course, the most important thing is that you don't let it block the license plate. People behind you, police officers especially, need to be able to read your license. So if your hitch blocks your license, then you're probably not legal. Probably not. And you might get the attention of the gendarmes for That's that. That's right. Right. Anyway, well, we have what I consider a great episode because it's a topic I am extremely fascinated about. He's like 12-year-old fascinated <laughs> right? about. Although that's RVs too. So well, this is true. <laughs> this is like a double whammy. Right. So we recently met Shane and his wife who have a company called Scale Trains. Absolutely. But how it's relevant to RVers is they took their show on the road in a big fifth wheel that said the scale trains rv tour and we ran into them at a campground and got to talking and yeah they're basically taking well you know what we will have the interview with shane (laughs) right after this yeah (laughs) 
Everybody seems to be talking about lithium batteries for their RVs. Of course, they charge faster, last longer, weigh less, and require zero maintenance. Plus, you don't have to replace them every few years. We love Lion Energy's safe lithium batteries, and with their limited lifetime warranty, they're the last batteries you'll have to buy for your RV. Of course, we have a discount for you on our discounts and deals page, and you can learn more about why lithium is the way to go. We are here with Shane Wilson, and we met Shane and his wife in Arizona at a campground where they have their fifth wheel decked out to represent their company, Scale Trains, which makes HO and N scale model trains. And they're on this epic tour of the U.S., stopping and, and checking out people's trains, basically. Uh, Shane, welcome. You have Tony's oh, dream you. job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You had breweries, and, and you're right. You're <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, he has a lot of dream jobs, but certainly involving trains would be one of them. <laughs> it is a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having us, too. Oh, it's a pleasure. How did you get into manufacturing model railroads? Well, I've been in model trains since I was a, a young boy. I opened up a hobby store when I was 15 Wow! and ran that for a few years, went to work for a major hobby distributor when I was 21 and was there for 23 years, actually worked, uh, it was part of the team that helped acquire Hathorne, which is a big HO model train company. And about almost eight years ago now, it has been eight years now, about time flies. A good friend of and I had talked about starting our own model train company. And, and that was the seed that got planted and, and started working on business plans. One thing leads to another and brought on two other folks to start the company with us as founders. And, and as the rest, they say is history. Wow. How very cool is that to to travel around and look at, I suppose, model railroad layouts? Yeah. So as part of the road trip, what we're doing is we're, we're traveling. We'll do all 50 states. And of course, we'll drive the lower 48. We're going to do that over the next about two and a half years. And we're uh, visiting model railroad clubs across the country, sharing our story, displaying our products, answering questions. Uh, talk about how model trains are made. We have some video from our factory in China that we show. And then we're... Uh, on the big trip we just got back from, we did a lot of uh, photo documentation when we're out in the field doing pictures of real trains for future projects. And we're visiting railroad museums and we're doing things like rail fan events and at big major railroad places. And it's a fun way to kind of live the dream of owning your own model train business. Yeah. that's. I mean, that alone to me would be a whole lot of fun because I love trains. But then to travel, we ran into Shane and his wife at yeah, Rancho Verde. Yeah, at Verde Ranch. And we saw your fifth wheel that was all decked out with your company logo and all of that. And we had to stop. And, and unfortunately, <laughs> we caught you just at the right time. It was perfect, Tim. And we're glad you dropped by. It's one of the fun things, you know, with the truck and the trailer all in the graphics for the company. There has not been a place that we've, we've overnighted. That some at least one family or person has come up to us and and shared a story about trains, and everybody has an uncle, a friend, a, a neighbor, somebody that's either been in model railroading or worked for the railroad, or there's just some kind of railroad related story. Right. Well, I'll tell you, our audience I think knows if you've been listening for a while, we actually used to own eleven. Real railroad cabooses. Yes. I checked that out. That's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we used to own, for for those new to the podcast, we owned a place called the Featherbed Railroad. It's a bed and breakfast made out of railroad cabooses. And I've always been a big train guy. I, I love trains. And so I have had an N-scale layout. 
Never bought any HO yet. No, not yet. <laughs> in scale is that little one, right? Right. It's yeah. a smaller. He thinks he used to have it, but I happen to know it's still in the garage. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I know exactly where it is. But that was from being a little. Actually, that's not true. My grandmother for my Christmas when I was nine years old sent me a Merklin HO set. Oh, really? So actually, that's true. I have had HO. So as part of this tour, what kind of things did you run into? You met with hobby shops and and clubs and I would imagine all kinds of enthusiasts on different levels. Yeah, it's been pretty amazing. So this was our third, what we call the road trip. The first two were shorter. Well, you know, as RVers, the first two trips were really shakedown trips. We were on about 10, 14 days because you're always going to find little things that have to be adjusted <laughs> and you got to get used to it and make sure there's room for the trade show display and all those things. Right. This was our first big trip. We were out just over four weeks. We visited places all across. We started in, of course, we were, we were um, located in Tennessee, but we had stops in, gosh, we were in Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas, uh, Arizona, New Mexico, California, and Louisiana, and I think Alabama too. So wow. the main focus is doing what we call meet and greets. And that's where we visit a local model railroad club. We share our company story, which is nothing short of a miracle from God of how we got started. And then we talk about how model trains are made. We show like a video of, of our factory and that whole process and what it looks like. And uh, we answer questions. Modelers often have a lot of great questions. So that's the core of the thing uh, of the road trip. But then we do a lot of other fun things too. We visit model railroad museums. We'll visit, uh, there's also railroad museums. We've done full-scale railroad events, uh, get an opportunity to go out and actually photo document the real railroads. Had a lot of fun. We spent a lot of time up in the Flagstaff, Arizona area. Beautiful scenery and great places to shoot trains and kind of get off the beaten path and got a ton of new product ideas while we were there too. Oh, Oh, man, that sounds good. I think right now you specialize, it looks like in predominantly modern like diesels and things like that, but perhaps I saw some neat vintage stuff uh, also mm-hmm. in Arizona. So we, we make model trains right now in um, HO and N and, and pretty much the eras from like the late fifties today, but we acquired a company at the end of last year called uh, uh, MTH. We acquired all their HO and S scale tooling. Oh. And so we're in the process now of bringing their steam locomotives to market and a lot of their steam air product too. So we'll have a pretty good breadth of products once we get that back into production. Yeah. MTH was or is, is, was a big company that I had definitely heard of. So that's impressive. Yeah, that was a, that was a big opportunity for us because we've always wanted to be in steam, but it's, uh, it's pretty complicated. And with the resources, especially people, right? I mean, we're a growing company, but there's only so much time and money. That was a great way for us to make a big entry into that marketplace and, and, and really shorten the time frame and the expense. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Now, have you come across any model railroaders who also, I'm going to guess you're also an RV enthusiast based on mm-hmm. how you did this trip. I wonder if you've seen anybody put a model railroad layout in an RV or brings, you know, I've seen like the clubs have those sectional layouts. Mm-hmm curious i mean an end scale layout in an rv would not seem too far-fetched like in a toy hauler i haven't seen one yet but i'm sure somebody out there has okay. we there is one gentleman we have a grand design 303 we're of course a member of groups on facebook and there is one gentleman who's a customer of ours that we correspond with and he when he goes out one of his things to do to relax is 
he brings equipment with him to work on, whether that's weathering a locomotive or building a freight car kit or something like that. And he communicates us with us pretty regular. So I know there's folks out there, but it is, I mean, every campground does have a story every everywhere we go. Yeah. Somebody's talking about, you know, their neighbor or their uncle or someone that they've known in their, in their history that has a either worked for the railroad or had a model railroad. They talk, you know, people always talk about, well, there's this one guy I knew that had all these trains in his basement and had mountains and tunnels and bridges. So <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's a great way to relate to folks. Right. I would think that like a toy hauler, you could take out the mattress in the bed with that happy jack mechanism and just lower a mm -hmm. railroad oh. layout. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> that would be cool. Then you could bring your trains with you. Right. We looked at, at a toy hauler. We were actually going to bring Baker's racks and, and bring our product along with us. But uh, man, if I had the layout idea, that'd have been pretty darn cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, it's, now I'm thinking about, I'm like, hmm, that's mm. really a good idea. <laughs> you know, it'd be sort of like, so for those for our audience who are not train enthusiasts, there are a lot of clubs who build square sections of a model railroad layout, and then the various clubs work together. So when you go to a fair or another, or even a, a train show or another large gathering, all these pieces fit together, and you have this giant railroad layout that is really owned by multiple groups or individuals or clubs type of thing. Any funny stories that really stand out from your trip or any unusual things that really come to mind from that journey? This was a big one. You know, one of the things about the road trip is to kind of get off the beaten path and see places that uh, we wouldn't normally see. And that was the whole idea of the RV. Thankfully, everything went pretty smoothly. I will say it's pretty crazy. We, from Oklahoma City to Amarillo, uh, the day that we came across, the winds were like 30 miles an hour sustained plus and gusts of 40 to 60. Yikes. That was the first time towing that I've ever experienced that. That was like, it was almost like riding in a boat all the way from Oklahoma City to Amarillo. Oh, man. Uh. And if you've ever, you ever been in a big snowstorm, we used to live in Illinois. We're in Tennessee now. And you get those big winds where the where the snow kind of blows up and over the road and kind of waterfalls over the road. <laughs> we were actually watching dirt do that. I've never seen that oh. before. It was, oh man, it was it was pretty amazing to see. I was really glad that we only had one day of that, but uh, something really different to experience. And and you know, there's all kinds of fun fun things and fun things we've got to do and people we've got to meet and, and great people. I think that's been the most fun part of the journey, whether that's people that are in our hobby or people who have been exposed to our hobby or just people along the way. You know, the great thing about our viewers is we're all pretty social people and uh, visiting with folks in campgrounds and getting to meet new people and see new places. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Now what we have to do is advocate campgrounds to have railroad layouts right. and then we can bring our, our rolling stock there. Right. And so as RVers, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I have a SD40 or, oh, I've got, I've got the big boy or whatever. And you run it on their, the campgrounds tracks. We Maybe actually not. stopped at a resort in Mississippi on the way home and they had a couple of cabooses, which they're getting ready to turn into lodging there at the campground. Mm -hmm. And then you could tell the, the, the owner was an enthusiast because he had railroad signals and all kinds of, you know, things you <laughs> see on a real railroad just all through the campground. So that was, that was kind of neat. That's awesome. Well, that's cool. You can also, uh, we stayed at the Railroad Museum in Oklahoma City. And there's the Eli Railroad Museum you can stay at, I believe. And we used to be able to stay at the Orange Empire Railway Museum. In Southern California. In Southern California. 
And that was fun, but I guess... You can if you're a member. Yeah, that's but true. they used to be a harvest host. They're no huh. longer a harvest host, but we were there when they still were, yeah. so that was exciting. Nothing better than waking up and you're surrounded by trains. <laughs> that's pretty cool. One thing we're going to do, we have a show coming up next summer uh, in St. Louis, and we're working with the show organizers, and I think we're actually going to park the RV inside for the show and set up essentially a campsite and put all of our products out on display, but more treat it like a very casual, well, you know, simulated campfire and some camp chairs and and do something kind of out of the ordinary for our industry. That'd be cool. Yeah. And if people want to follow on your journey, where would they do so? We have a webpage that we keep everything. So it's scaletrains.com just slash road trip. We also have our own Facebook page, which of course is scale trains. And within that, there's a group called road trip and you can click on there and become a member. When we're traveling on the, on the Facebook page, we're doing updates just about every day of, of places that we've seen places that we're going. I mean, we've seen some really amazing things um, in Amarillo, Texas, one of the model rare museums we went to has a couple of real trains in the back, including a helium car. Um, that was like the area for helium back wow. in the 50s, 60s, 70s. And then they also have, which is pretty amazing, the only uh, military ordnance train for nuclear weapons. And uh, so it's got like a couple of buffer cars between the the where they would carry the ordnance, which I don't know, I guess if they went off, I'm not sure why you need a buffer car. <laughs> right. But- <laughs> And then they've got Stay the guard at least cars 10 feet and, away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you get to see a lot of cool stuff like that too, when you're traveling. And if somebody was looking to get into the hobby or expand their hobby or just buy cool trains, scaletrains.com. Mm-hmm. That's our main website. Yep. There you can find HO and in scale locomotives and freight cars and some vehicles and, and then as, as the line grows and we bring more MTH, you'll see us add the track line and you'll see structures come in at some point. And, and then if you're not an online time person too, you can call us and uh, we've got a sales team that's happy to help if you're just getting started. And we also, if you ever have any challenges with your models, we've got a product, a full-time product support team too. Oh, oh great. that's awesome. Okay. Yeah, that's terrific. Thank you very much for, for joining us here today. Well, we appreciate you having us and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll run into each other next summer. We're taking a big trip back out west again. We'll be going to the Pacific Northwest in July and August. Maybe we'll run into each other again. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, Yeah. that would be fantastic. We're probably heading up that way ourselves. So At some point, yeah. One of the places up there that I would like to go to that I haven't is Train Mountain. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that'd be really cool. That place, we saw it. We just happened to see it, but it was closed (laughs) due to a fire. I think, isn't that the largest live it's called live steam that you actually ride on yeah Mm -hmm. but they're what are they like eight inch there's this gauge anyway it's the largest collection of that track (laughs) in the world supposedly yeah i'm not sure if it's the largest but it is huge and the the interesting you mentioned the fire they've done a lot of work since the fire got a lot of things rebuilt and added a lot of new that's actually on one of my bucket list places that i want to go and see and you know i'll tell you another really neat one is where we were at at camp verde Literally just up the road in Cornville, uh, Arizona, which is maybe 15 minutes, there's a private owner who opens up his railroad, and he's had a custom building built uh, right in town, and uh, he's modeling the Union Pacific from Cheyenne, Wyoming to Ogden, Utah. Oh, wow. And they've spent the last 10 years replicating, and it, it... I mean, I've been to like Laramie and, and some places along the main line there, Ogden, and out to Echo Canyon, and 
boy, when you walk into those scenes, it's like being transported to those locations. They have done an amazing job of making it just look like the real thing. Wow. Huh. It's incredible. A lot of people may not realize there are model railroad clubs or even individuals who actually run timetables and Mm -hmm. schedules like a real railroad. (laughs) And they've done, as you mentioned, an incredible job of modeling real life scenes or creating real life situations with their model railroad layouts. Yeah, I've been on some of those op sessions where I'm like, man, if I want to go to work for the real railroad, I'm going to work for the real railroad. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, the trains have to run on time, even though they're a mm-hmm. fraction of the size of the real thing. Boy, right. it's interesting. I, I just like playing with trains. I'm, I don't want that much precision in my life. <laughs> well, that's the great thing about the hobby, right? There's so many facets of the hobby that you can really pick what you enjoy, whether yes. it's from woodworking and, and building bench work to electrical, to scenery, to, you know, weathering freight cars and locomotives or, or just studying the prototype, whatever you enjoy, you can probably find a segment somewhere in the hobby that really plays to what your skill sets are and, and what your passion is. Yeah. yeah. That shouldn't be understated. I mean, it's, if you enjoy, like people have built little towns that are very mm-hmm. realistic and, some incredible models people start from scratch and and build buildings and even trains and things like that there's replicas of scenery and uh, painting i mean you're right it's a hobby that really has a lot of different areas where if that's what you're passionate about you can definitely find a space in the hobby for that yeah yeah and that's one of the fun things right i mean like I'm a modeler, but I don't have time, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> but I enjoy, I enjoy photography and, and it's kind of the hunt, like treasure hunting, right? When we were out in Flagstaff, some of the unique trains that you'd see come through were like BNSF just celebrated their 25th anniversary as a railroad and they took and they put several of their previous railroads they painted on the, or they put decals on the side of their locomotives and uh, had a chance to catch one of those, actually two of them in the Flagstaff area. And they only made 10. So it's almost like a treasure hunt when you're out trying to find some of the unique things. Oh yeah, absolutely. That that's another aspect of the hobby is people looking at real trains and Mm -hmm. they'll actually log specific locomotive numbers or types of cars or you can it's a rabbit hole you can you can go deep on it really is (laughs) and it's just so many aspects i have a friend who's a computer programmer and Mm -hmm. has programmed his trains to all it's fully automated layout he has an entire room in his house and it's completely automated and the trains run and stop and switches go and even there's a crane he has a little harbor and the mm-hmm. crane picks up containers and puts them on the trains automatically. It's <laughs> it's quite the thing to see. And that's all HO gauge. That's really cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's neat. He's in Thousand Oaks. That's really cool. You know, it's, you're only limited by your imagination. Did you get a visit private layouts a lot or? A few. Um, one of the big challenges we have is for me and, and my wife, she also works in the business, is we have to keep up with the day-to-day back in the office. Yeah. So we've learned a lot. That's one of the reasons for the two shakedown trips is uh, now we kind of travel one day, the next day we'll do work. And then that night we'll do a meet and greet at a club. We're pretty limited on the amount of time trying to budget in more time, but you know, that's probably one of the biggest challenges of, of anything that we do, right? Like going to the Pacific Northwest will be gone eight weeks and it's like, we are going 
feels like 24 seven yeah, to be able yeah. to make that trip. But I hope to be able to do some more private layouts as we tour. It's just a matter of syncing things up. So there's time to get that in. I can't even imagine the logistics of coordinating manufacturing, distribution, design, engineering, all of that. And then you get to travel and still be responsible for all <laughs> yeah. of that. Well, and I will say, thankfully, you know, this has been a, the road trip has been a long time in the works. It's been well over a year in the planning. This was even pre-COVID. We've been hiring some great people. We have 19 employees now. We have a great team that runs the day-to-day business, and I really trust them to make the decisions that, that keep us moving forward. And without them, there's no way we could even consider being gone yes, for the weeks on end like that we are. That's, that's terrific. That's terrific. There's a company up in Canada. Rapido? Rapido, yeah. Jason Strong. Yeah, the they do... <laughs> most hilarious videos oh they're great they're good people i love their videos they clearly having a great time with this they've done some serious you know like here's how we make things but some of their like product introductions are hilarious so yeah, that's jason's personality i'd love to be able to do that but i'm just too serious i guess <laughs> well we won't take up any more of your time but boy i sure appreciate it thank you so much shane yeah we really appreciate it thank you shane all right well thanks for your time guys it was great to meet you great to see you again you too and, uh, safe travels take care likewise Same to you. Well, I don't know if Shane and his wife spent any time at Harvest Host. Well, they did spend time at railroad museums. That's and true those that they did. Can be Harvest Host. That's true. Harvest Host is a great service where you can stay at wineries, museums, breweries, golf courses, all sorts of great destinations for free. Right. The best thing is, it's basically just an annual service to join Harvest Host, an mm-hmm. annual feed. And right now, through the end of the year, 2021, 2021. <laughs> they're having a sale for Stressless Camping listeners. You can get 20% off That's a right. membership. Now, we always do have a discount from Harvest Host, but right now, for the rest of this month, for the rest of this year of 2021, that discount is increased to 20%. Yes. So it's on our deals and discounts page. As always, just follow the link that's there and you will automatically get that 20%. Even if our website doesn't say that, because I'm not sure if we've updated it. No, but we should. But if we do, then we'll forget to put it back next year. (laughs) So whatever it says on the website, if it is December of 2021, your discount is actually going to be 20%. It's a great deal. And as we've said, it's places that are absolutely Instagram worthy places to stay. You are boondocking, but gosh, it's a super service at a great price. So Harvest hosts at 20%. Yes. On the discounts and deals page, there's also a interview with Harvest Hosts owner. So go there and learn more. And it makes a good Christmas gift. Yeah, that's <laughs> for sure. You could get someone else a Harvest Host membership as a Christmas present. Yeah, and it won't take up any space in their RV, but yeah. it'll give them a good thing to do with that RV. Like maybe they could drive up the Oregon coast. What a great idea. (laughs) We did that recently. Yeah. It's amazing driving from about San Francisco north along the coast in California and then into Oregon. Just all these quaint little villagey towns. Yeah. Where you'll see the village people. Well, 
Maybe. Not the village people. But the people but who live in the villages. lots of people that live in villages. <laughs> <laughs> so we recently drove up to Newport, Oregon to visit our friends Dan and Jerry. Yeah, who moved up there. Right. And along the way, we, as often happens, we went through some places faster than we wanted to. And so we're already planning our next trip north to go kind of up the Oregon coast and There are some things that we noted along the way that we want to go back and see. There's some just quaint towns that you drive through if you're on your way somewhere and go, doggone it, I wish I could stop here. Right. So the southernmost coastal town in Oregon, right after you cross the California border, is the town of Brookings. And at Brookings is the Harris Beach State Park, which is really popular for bicyclers. By the way, in Oregon, they fill your gas for you. Oh, that's true. You can't, <laughs> true. you don't fill your own fuel. You yeah. go to the gas station and there's somebody there who does it. It's trippy. In May in Brookings is the Azalea Festival. So I'm kind of looking at that part of the calendar to see if we can make it up there because I really like azaleas. We should be able to. That might be our goal, but there's so many things to see on the way. So I know that there's camping at Harris Beach State Park. Now, we actually did this last trip in a car. We didn't get to RV. No, we did not. But I looked and made sure, and there's plenty of RVing along the way. In fact, in Gold Beach, where we stayed in a hotel, the Gold Beach Inn has a hotel. It also has rustic lodges, and it has an RV park. But not donuts. There <laughs> we are could no not donuts. find donuts in that town anywhere. <laughs> I was craving donuts, and there is no donut shop in town. Right. So. so Gold Beach is actually where the Rogue River comes out into the ocean, and so it's one of the places that is very popular for gold panning because the gold that floats down the Rogue River. Yeah, we talked to someone a while back about gold panning, so we'll put a link to that episode. Yes, to Sandy. Yeah, Sandy <laughs> was really fascinating. And apparently just found some gold. Right, in, in Quartzsite. Yeah, yeah, which is where we're going to be next We're going to go see her there. Uh, another place that we did stop was Port Orford, and we stopped just long enough for lunch at a place called The Dive. Yes, we did, and it was really a terrific dive with these (laughs) outstanding sandwiches that had the names were funny because they had like ship names yeah and they had this smoked tri-chip oh my gosh it was so So good. good the food was outstanding they they just did a super job But the reason that we stopped, they did uh, something brilliant, which is so silly that it's so brilliant. But they have one of those inflated wiggly guys and it's a pirate, you know, those those like things that wave their arms and wiggle around. And we saw that and we're like, oh, that's so funny. And we stopped and that's where we decided to eat because of the wiggly pirate. <laughs> Doesn't take much for us. <laughs> but it was so we're, worth we're it. We're pretty easy. So. But that's okay. That, I mean, we had a great, we had a really great lunch. So Right. So just north of that, from, Co- from the town of Coos Bay up to the town of Florence, one of the great things about that area is that that's the Oregon Dunes National Recreation Area. And there, of course, are campgrounds along that whole area, but there's also dune buggy rentals, so you can get out there and drive around on the dunes. And there's all kinds of tours, I guess, there. And it's sand dunes on, like, right on the coast. It's it's a trip. Right. And so I got interested in thinking about, you know, I think of sand dunes as being in the desert, and 
I suddenly realized, you know, there's all those dunes in Oregon, and there's also dunes in Southern California and kind of all along the or- the California coast. So I wrote a little geology article about the sand dunes of the coast. And so we will put a link to that, you know, a little bit of information about how how dunes show up on the coast. Yes, it's interesting to me. Next up was the sea lion caves. And we did not go down this time, but... No, but I have been... There's an elevator that was built, I think, in the 50s, I think it was. So before that, you had to walk down the stairs to get to (laughs) it. But now there's an elevator, which increased the price to $16 a person, which is really not bad. But it's an actual natural cave. And it just so happens that sea lions really like to hang out there. It's not a zoo. It's not captive sea lions or anything like that. It's just a place where you're very likely to see sea lions if you go down into the cave. See sea lions. See sea lions. (laughs) (laughs) It's trippy. Take the elevator down. See sea lions. That's going to be a stop on our next trip that way is I want to go and relive my Sea lion day. (laughs) Okay. Well, you got to go with your grandpa, right? My grandparents, yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. We stayed then in the town of Newport. Yeah. The reason we didn't have our RV is we were staying at our friend's new house. Mm -hmm. And plus, we're having some work done on our RV. Right. So that was why it is in the shop getting some new stuff and some fixy stuff. Yeah. So while we were there, we, of course, had to check out the brewery scene. Indeed. (laughs) And one of the big breweries in Newport is Rogue Brewers. It's a huge operation right in the bay there. I mean, it looks like an old cannery building or something like that. Yeah. But a huge operation with quite a selection of beers. And also a pretty good selection of food. Yeah, there was food too. Yeah, so we had dinner and beer and, you know, had a great time there. And then... Another day, we went to a place called Beer One. Yeah, Beer One was more of a tap room, but I think some of the beers were their own as well. Mm-hmm. A small little tap room, also a fun atmosphere yeah, there. It was there a was fun like atmosphere. a back room that had a bunch of games like shuffleboard or. And a pool table and things like that. Yeah. And we had an appetizer, some pretzel or some tots yeah, or something we were always, like that. <laughs> we're if there's pretzel easy. on the menu, we always yeah, we pretty much that. eat a pretzel. We had pretzels <laughs> at Rogue. Good stuff. And we were visiting right before commercial crab season opened. So Jerry took us out to where the crab boats were all. They're piled up with their they were <laughs> with their cages, and they were ready to head out just as soon as the bell whistled or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. On your marks, get, set, get go. set, go. Even when it's not commercial season, people can crab on their own. So we went out on the pier and watched some people do some crabbing, and some people were catching, and some weren't. Some people were like. Put it in, take it out, put it in, take it out. And some people were like, throw the cage down there and sit and read a book for a while. <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting. There are different, I guess, methods for catching yeah. crabs out of the bay. There's also a Ripley's Believe It or Not in Newport and <laughs> a lot of just quaint walking shops. Yeah, yeah. It's a fun little place to yeah. go. And that pier that we walked out on is right under the, the Yakima Bay Bridge, which is Really yeah, gorgeous they, bridge. Oregon has some nifty bridges. They they know how to make stylish bridges there, and they do. And so that Yakima Bay Bridge was there. They also have something I really like, a an old lighthouse. Yeah. And apparently it's quite haunted. Now, I don't know. <laughs> we didn't go find out, but this is what we've heard. 
Yeah. Word is it's full of booze. Wait, we didn't go there. If Wait, not booze, booze but oh, like booze. Oh, yeah, okay. Booze. <laughs> One of the days, Jerry took us up to Lincoln City, and one of the coolest things about Lincoln City is that there's a museum there, but there's a traveling exhibit from an organization called Washed Ashore. It's a .org, so washedashore.org, and they make sculptures out of trash from the ocean, which is horrible. I mean, it turned into a beautiful thing, but it's horrible to think that there's so much trash yeah. that they can make all these sculptures. And they're really fascinating. Yeah, they're really fascinating and very elaborate. And it's amazing. And as Peggy said, a little bit, well, kind of a lot disappointing how much trash they can get out of the ocean. But then how cool it is that they make these sculptures out of that trash. Right. That was right. That was neat to see. So... We have this friend, Todd, who's involved with this movie called Plastic Oceans. If you're interested in ocean trash and you want to be bummed out, that's a movie to <laughs> <Great>. see. <laughs> we have, of course, a gadget report this week. Yeah, and it's something that Thetford sent us. Thetford is a company that makes all kinds of RV stuff, including new portable waste tanks. Ours is a four-wheel tank. And it allows you to basically take the contents of your black or gray tank and put it in this tank and then haul it off to a dump station. And what that might be good for, let's say you're boondocking or you're camping at one of those campgrounds where there's just like a central dumping spot. You can, well, ours is 20 gallons, so you can't fill this thing. Right. Well, you can fill it, but <laughs> you, you can't it, but completely you can't empty completely your, empty. Yeah, right. you can't empty your own waste tank. But if you do it often enough and you just dump 20 gallons of your waste water into this portable tank, and then it, the handle actually has like a hole in the end that will fit over the ball on your hitch yeah, that your you hitch don't ball, take off. <laughs> which is not illegal to take off, apparently. And so you can hang it on there, or you can just drag it like a wagon by hand and take your 20 gallons of waste to a dump station so that you don't have to hook up the whole entire trailer to take it. Yeah, and so this thing's kind of nifty because there is a hose that attaches to your bayonet valve on your, you know, your waste dump. And the hose is permanently attached to the waste tank, but you fill it that way. There's a floaty bit at the end that shows when this waste tank is getting full. And it keeps it from overflowing. Well, well, you could... I mean, you could overflow it, but if you've got everything else sealed up, there is a floater that seals the top right. so that it, in theory, won't start pouring out the top of your tank. You should hope not. Right. <laughs> and then there's also a place where you can wash out the tank if you choose to. So there is sort of a, a tank flush provision. Yeah. And you just take it to the waste tank you don't have to tip it up or anything you just then take your bayonet sewer hose and it's got a l bracket that goes on the end of it with a valve and you just dump the tank and it's it's pretty easy we have decided that we are only going to use it for gray water we have found out that we can actually go the two of us can go seven days without dumping our black tank right and that's we have a 30 gallon black tank and we tested it we did it went a full 30 days. We were surprised. Not 30. Oh, shoot. Yeah, you're <laughs> 30 right. Gallons. It, went 30 it actually gallons. went nine, but we know that we can safely go seven days. 
And that was a big surprise to us, right. to be honest. So we know that our black tank will last that long and our gray tank kind of only lasts two. So if we're out, yeah, if we're gonna, we can stay somewhere seven days, but every two or three days, we're going to need to haul gray water out. And this thing makes it pretty easy. The, there are two-wheel and four-wheel versions. There are also different sizes. The 20 is kind of a good compromise, especially with the four wheels. Right. Easy enough to get around. It was really not a challenge to either fill or dump the tank. So pretty happy with it. Yeah. This week, our RV of the week is something I have not been able to talk about until recently. Woohoo! I know. I, it's <laughs> been under my hat, and I finally was able to lift my hat and talk about this. Uh, the hair left when you took the yeah, hat Yeah, the off. hair is gone, too. Oh, no. Hey, it was a lot of glue under there. <laughs> this is something that Mike Sokol and I have been kind of working on, I guess, as it were, and that is a Rockwood Geo Pro with what Rockwood is calling the power package. And what this is, so the Rockwood Geo Pro line is a series of smaller travel trailers. They're all single axle, but they're smaller trailers with high content and high quality. So a lot of times when you look at the smallest trailers in a company's line, they're usually cheaply made or have fewer things you actually want. What Rockwood did is they just made a small, high quality, high content line of trailers. Right. And what happened is they had to build a whole assembly line just to build them because so many people wanted them. <laughs> so they've been extremely popular under the Rockwood brand, they're GeoPro, and Rockwood and Flagstaff are the same basic trailer. So you can also buy a Flagstaff ePro. So applies to both lines of trailers. There's things like they have the torsion axle suspension and double Asdell walls and max air fans, frameless windows, on and on. A lot of, like I say, really high quality features. Right. So what you can get now with some models is you can get a package that includes a 190-watt solar panel, a 1,000-watt inverter, and a 12-volt DC compressor-based refrigerator, which is pretty cool. But they went bigger, and this power package has three 190-watt solar panels, Ooh. a 400-amp MasterVolt lithium-ion battery, and a 3,000-watt MasterVolt CombiMaster inverter. So essentially, you can run basically everything in the trailer, including the 11,000 BTU Coleman Mach air conditioner with built-in soft start off the battery. Wow. And Mike has gotten six or seven hours of runtime on the air conditioner without any electricity coming into the trailer at all. So wow. you're going to assume if you're running the air conditioner, it's probably a sunny day. Sure. And so power would be coming in. So he tested just to see how long it took to drain the battery. And that was it with no input. Great. Even more, this charge controller is pretty slick in how it works. You can dial in limits. So let's say you're going to Uncle Buck's house. Okay. Or Cousin Eddie's. <laughs> and Cousin Eddie has a plug in his garage and he's going to run you a 20 amp plug. But really, everyone should know that's probably only 15 amps. Right. You run this plug out and it's a 100 foot plug. So let's say you really don't want to draw more than 12 amps. Well, you can tell the charge system in this trailer to only draw 12 amps 
from the plug or whatever the number happens to be. You know, let's say you're at a 20 amp plug at a campground or you have a specific type of generator if you happen to bring one. Mm -hmm. The rest, this system can draw from solar or batteries. So it's smart enough to know what limit you've set and then draw the rest from its reserves. That's pretty cool. It's a fascinating system. And it's not cheap. It's about $8,000 option all by itself. And it's only very specific GeoPro and EPro models. The reason being, you have all these components inside the storage bay of the trailer. So it does take up some space and mm-hmm. adds, well, I think they told me about 200 pounds to okay. the trailer. Man, it's just game changing. I mean, you could be out there for a good long time and, and Rockwood, again, Rockwood and Flagstaff also have things like the shower miser where you can run your water back into the fresh tank while you're waiting for the shower to get right, hot. Right, so you're not wasting great tank space. Right, Yeah. right. So a lot of good boondocking features in these trailers. I really like them. And Mike is doing a lot more, so I'll link to his information. And I wrote a review of this over at rvtravel.com. And there's also a review on rvtravel.com of that Thetford waste tank. Right. And we did a video about it. And we made a video, yeah. Speaking of rvtravel.com, we also have reinitiated the RV Gadget newsletter. So you can sign up for that. So nifty stuff happening. If you don't know, I not only work here at Stressless Camping, but I provide a lot of content for RVTravel.com. Yeah. I have known Chuck since a long time ago. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. So there you go. That sounds like a great trailer to have. I think what we camp in now is equivalent to a Geo Pro. Yeah. It's we a- have a mini light, but it's a mini light that they don't make anymore. It's right. too small for the mini light line. <laughs> yeah, when they came out with the Geo Pros, essentially what we have was sort of transferred into the Geo Pro line, which yeah. is fine. And they've made some big improvements even since our trailer. Yeah. Kind of neat stuff. Very cool. Well, speaking of little trailers, I think that this question kind of relates to smaller trailers. Last week on our question of the week, I asked if you are okay with a wet bath or if you prefer to have a separate shower in your bathroom (laughs) almost nobody wants a wet bath by the way what a wet bath is a typical dry bath has your toilet your typically a sink and a shower or tub right and so when you take a shower then you're in that shower kind of isolated from the rest of the bathroom in a wet bath which is something you'd often see like in a class b in a van or, or a smaller, really small trailer. Yeah, smaller trailers. Mm-hmm. The whole bathroom is the shower. Right. And so most people did not really, they're not that fond of wet baths. And for nope. the most part, the reason is anything that you have in the bathroom that can't get wet, you have to take out for your shower and then put back when you're done. And so people don't like moving all their stuff around and they don't like having to dry the walls off and clean the walls of the entire bathroom every time they take a shower. And people said, I can't change my clothes. I can't do anything in there. It's such a small, you know, it's basically a shower stall with a toilet and sink inside However, <laughs> rather than a bathroom by with the a toilet same with token, a shower you inside. can accomplish two things at once. Well, sure. <laughs> well, three, you could brush your you could teeth. brush your teeth. Take okay, a shower. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, thank you for answering that question. This week, I want to know what your favorite holiday tradition is. Yeah, do you have camping holiday Yeah, traditions? and if you don't, then that's okay. I still want to know. If your tradition is completely non-camping, I just love the whole season and 
I just like to hear people's stories about what they like to do. Yeah, it gives you good feels for the holidays. Right. So as you know, you can read the answers and answer the questions of the week by going to our fun and friendly Stressless Camping Podcast Facebook group. That's a good place to start. And you can get to there from our website, stresslesscamping.com, where there's links to our Facebook group and all of the social places where we live. Right. Also, though, on our website, you can sign up for our once a week newsletter, which is absolutely free. free. (laughs) And at the bottom of every page is an opportunity to sign up. We just send out a newsletter once a week. We tell you that the podcast is ready to listen to, and we tell you about any RV news that we've heard out and about during that week. Yeah, this week a big one is California's generator. Oh, boy. Yeah, (laughs) so we'll, we'll put links to that. It's interesting. Also, while you're on our website, you can check out the deals and discounts page for that 20% off in December of Harvest Host membership. And discounts and deals on all kinds of things for your stressless camping adventure. Right. As Tony said, you can use that website to jump off onto the social places. Stresslesscamping.com. And of course, if you don't want to miss a future episode of the Stressless Camping Podcast, well, that's free too. That's right. You can subscribe on any podcast catcher. And don't forget, we are are saving you a seat around our virtual campfire. Absolutely. And did you know a review on Apple Podcasts or any place you're listening to this will help them know that we're doing a good job serving you and they'll tell more folks and more folks listening means we can get better and better guests. So So as a holiday gift to us, will you please go and write, write us a review so that more people can find out about us. We thank you very much for that. Yeah, we wish you a really, really great holiday, whichever one you celebrate. We really appreciate the gift to us is your listening. So thank you so much. And most of all, happy happy camping. camping. We hope you learned a lot, had some fun, and got some tips for your next stressless camping adventure. We're honored by your reviews on Apple Podcasts, which helps others find us too. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on the adventure. And we look forward to your joining us next week. Until then, happy camping!